What a nice man Jack is, though. He used to tell me that I was famous because I could find jeans that fit his thighs. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Dark greetings, everyone. It's finally spooky season. Yes. Happy spooky season. I hope you all have already started your Halloween costumes. It's a busy season. I'm so excited. This is, I just feel alive, you know? I feel like I look forward to this this month all year long, you know? I mean, we talk about this every year, but I just feel alive. I've been, uh, haven't started decorating yet, but I have been watching all the spooky movies already. I actually started in September, honestly. I just, it was like pre- spooky season and now i'm just diving full in it um what about you i mean honestly i have i started watching the spookiness and uh in september as well that's also when i start (laughs) listening to all my spooky podcasts i yeah i save a lot of them for this season um especially because that's when a lot of their new seasons start um Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i am just like same like i haven't really decorated yet but like i've been on pinterest a lot okay yeah she's getting ready she's gearing up (laughs) i finally separated halloween from like my um holiday board and gave it its own board so this is this is serious halloween is stepping up for me this year (laughs) (laughs) um i've already watched interview with a vampire i've watched phantom of the opera I went and saw the Beetlejuice musical, which was so much fun. Isn't it so uh, good? The perfect, perfect show. It's already, it's my favorite one. It's it so jumped good. over Hamilton and all that so quickly. It's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, just I've been gaining into all the spooky stuff. I saw Haunting in Venice last night. Um, wasn't really a spooky movie, <laughs> but I thought it was going to be, so it still counts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all the spookiness. Yes. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it was a spooky movie, Haunted Mansion. Did I tell you I saw that? And what did you think of it? I thought it was, it was fun. I thought it was really good. It was really fun. And I was like, this is like a good way to talk about death with children. (laughs) Like that's what I walked away thinking about that Uh, movie. (laughs) Honestly, it was a good way to talk about death with me. (laughs) I need someone to break it down. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was another brilliant film, uh, costumes by Jeffrey Curlin. Uh, the costumes were top tier. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's look was something I need to see in a museum. I'm sure it will be, Mm -hmm. uh, all great. So much, so much great content this year. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Elizabeth, I think it's time we kick off our spooky season. We have such an incredible episode that I'm really excited to dive into uh, because we're not talking about just one film this week. Mm -mm. We're talking about pretty much every one of your favorite films, (laughs) not just yours, but everyone listening. An artist's whole body of work. Yeah, <laughs> this is kind of like our first like deep dive just into a costume designer uh, because we are being joined by the legend herself, costume designer Aggie Rogers. Uh, yes. So we're going to be doing things a little bit different this week. We're going to play my interview with this absolute icon who I've looked up to pretty much my entire life. And to prove that, let's just go behind the costumes and talk about some of her notable work. Aggie Rogers is a Oscar nominee, a CDGA nominee, and winner of the CDGA Career Achievement Award. Yeah, She has worked with directors, just a few that you might know, such as George Lucas, Ron Howard, Tim Burton, Steven Spielberg, George Miller, Francis Ford Coppola, Eleanor Coppola, and Chris Columbus. So, you know, a few like up and coming directors. Yeah, just a couple. Um, <laughs> and some of her... Noble work, starting with American Graffiti, George Lucas's first film, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a incredible film, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Return of the Jedi, a Star Wars (laughs) film. (laughs) I mean, think about it. The first time we saw uh, Luke Skywalker in a 
black look when he goes to Jabba's palace, uh, Princess Leia in that very risque costume you all know I'm talking about. Uh, she worked on Cocoon, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, one of my favorite films. Yes. Uh, the Color Purple, Beetlejuice, which is what we're going to talk about very heavily. Uh, the Color Purple, for which she was nominated for an Oscar. The Witches of Eastwick, Jack, Holes, and Rent. So Aggie Rogers has done it all. Uh, yeah. And Elizabeth, I'm just excited for you to hear this conversation that I had with this icon. We really just dived into her career, things that inspire her, working with these different directors. And we take some time into a few of these films to just ask about specific costumes. Like we talked about Beetlejuice's black and white suit, which you and I talked about on a previous episode. And we talked about uh, Star Wars quite a bit, The Color Purple, The Witches of Eastwick, and Rent. So Yes. We have a lot to get into. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> so we're going to play the interview, but we're not going to come back after that. So I think we need to also pitch you on what we're going to be talking about next week as well. Because like Elizabeth said, we're here every week of October. Oh, yeah. And for spooky season we we really chose some of our favorites this year and we thought what could be better like what could top the incredible aggie rogers nothing but what came close <laughs> interview with a vampire from 1994 yes i'm so excited to talk about this film um this is one that i have never actually fully watched all the way so Me i'm excited either. <laughs> it's so weird referring to only two people. So I'm excited to dive into the brilliant costumes of Sandy Powell. Um, yeah, and I believe we coined our our lineup Gothic Romance Month, Gothic Horror Romance Month. Uh, yeah, so that, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> that could give you some clues on where we're going for the rest of this month, starting with Interview with a Vampire. So listen to this week's interview. Come back next week for Interview with a Vampire. Remember to follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod, TikTok at the Art of Costume. Um, leave us a voicemail at 626-515-1826 and let us know what your favorite costume is of Aggie Rogers' work. Um, was it Beetlejuice? Was it Pee-wee? Was it in Star Wars? And uh, as always, you could head to our merch store at theartofcostume.com slash podstore or leave us a five-star text review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really does help. Everybody, up next, Spencer's interview with Aggie Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> to introduce my friend, someone who I've looked up to for a very long time, and I can't believe she's here, costume designer Aggie Rogers. Hey, Aggie. Good How morning, are you? my darling. I'm good, thank you. Here I, I am at the Golden Gate Bridge. That is not really the view out my window. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> no, I mean, it looks gorgeous. I would believe it's your window. <laughs> I have to be honest right now. <laughs> well, Aggie, it really is truly such an honor to talk with you because, you know, I've talked to a lot of designers now. It's been a few years of doing this. And just looking back, I yeah, feel like... Yeah, I mean, like... how come I wasn't first? I mean, Spencer, <laughs> what's wrong with you? It's, okay, I'll tell you a story. I actually didn't know that you were following me until one day I saw, like, <laughs> you, like, I saw your name show up and I was like, you don't think that's Aggie Rogers, do you? And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's her. Uh, so I've been dying for this moment. I mean, I grew up watching Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Pee-wee, oh Pee-wee. Those movies are why I do what I do today. So I just have to thank you. And I'm just so excited to talk with you about your work. Thank um, you. Very sweet. Well, let's dive into it. Uh, first, I'd love to just get to know you a little bit more. You've been a costume designer for, uh, you know, through quite a few projects. So I'd love to know how you got your start. You know, where where did you come from and how did you end up as a costume designer? Good Lord. I have no <laughs> idea how I did that. Well, I sort of do. 
So I was living with my mom in Fresno and um, uh, so silly. My mom, we called her Peach and she was a trip. She wasn't <laughs> your kind of mommy uh, mom, but she uh, she was definitely there as a mentor. So she divorced her husband and then she was kind of on her own and she'd never worked before. <laughs> So we had this little house next to, um, we lived in Fresno and a little house next to the Santa Fe railroad tracks, which I thought was glamorous. Turns out it wasn't because (laughs) Sonny Barger lived two doors down. And, uh, you know, he used to come over and hang out with my mom because she liked to garden in the middle of the night. So hot in Fresno. Yes, truly. So sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night. My mother would be out front behind the fence, but in her garden, talking to some guy in a motorcycle jacket. And I mean, I just, that was the beginning of marijuana. (laughs) Things like that. And uh, it was a trip. I I never spoke to him, but it was my mom really loved it. And um, she used to go to all the garage sales all the time. And just find unusual things. Um, <laughs> she found these wooden letters that, you know, were about 18 inches tall. And they spelled out her initials. So she hung them on the roof top at the peak of where the roof was. And I said, how come you hung those up there? She said, oh, they're just my initials. I just like them. I said, okay. So it, my mother's name was Frances Ann Gerard, F-A-G. <laughs> you know, like my mother never knew nothing. So they stayed up there the whole time. I was such, I mean, what can you do? No wonder Sonny Barger wondered who she was. So, so then so she kind of, she got a job at a liquor store not far from this little house we were in that was owned by the owner of the house. Because she couldn't pay her rent. So he gave her a job at the liquor store. She went the first day and came back at the end of the shift. And he came back and she said, I need you to come to work with me tomorrow. I said, okay, what's happening? <laughs> and uh, she said, I don't know how to make change. Oh. I said, oh, dear. <laughs> because in Fresno, as we grew up, was the last of the big spenders, I guess. My mother would go to the grocery store and just sign the chit. And they would send it to my father and he'd pay it. It's just such a weird way to start out. But that was how she she made it. And then she worked there for several months. And then she began to get interested in um, millinery. She'd be at these garage sales and she'd find hat blocks mm. and was just sort of fascinated by them and so she would buy them and in the end when we cleared up my mother's belongings I gave all those hat blocks to Harry Rotz oh. so she had gotten involved with um, the theater and um, she began making hats for the theater so I had started um, going to college where I just crossed over those railroad tracks, literally. And I was at City College. And I did two years at City College. And at that time, the federal government, bless them, <laughs> was forced to give you a job if you couldn't find one. And if you were below the poverty line. So my job was to go up every weekend to Yosemite and work as a waitress. Okay. <laughs> I'd never, my, mom, my mother didn't have a car or anything. And so the first couple of weekends I hitchhiked up there. Oh my God, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> and uh, got there and worked. And by George, they leave money on the table all the time. Oh. So suddenly I had money and I ended up the first year of working there, of buying the Doctor in the Valley, I bought his little VW bug. And, you know, when I go to work, one of my favorite things to say is that, and it's true, I do feel this way. I get on the set and it's like a cocktail party. 
Mm-hmm. I love to go around and talk to everybody. And so that really was handy as a waitress. You could find all kinds of silly things to say to the tourist and, um, you know, just enjoy yourself because you're at a vacation spot. Oh, my God. So I worked there for a couple of years during college. And, um, boy, I got a lot out of that night. Um moved on up to Fresno State, and that school had a great college uh, program. We even had somebody come in and taught no theater, the Japanese theater. And so we had a great education of, um, boy, all kinds of stuff. I didn't learn how to talk there yet, but I, I had no trouble with being there. You know, I just felt like that was my place. I I loved it. I'd sit down and sew, whatever. And if we were in a play, we had to make our own costume. And mm-hmm. so I had a great time. And um, I'm still friends with some of them. Oh, okay. Karen Davis, and um, who's a 705 member. I think she retired now. And uh, Barbara Sellers. These are all people that... Uh, I was at school at Fresno State with, and so I graduated from that and uh, came back to San Francisco where my grandmother lived. So what do I do is I go downtown. First, I thought, well, I'll go to Fresno State and try to get a graduate degree because I really didn't know anything. I just knew how to chit chat. And (laughs) little did I know that was going to be a big part of my job. So I chit chatted and uh, tried to go to school at San Francisco State, but it was during the time when they were rioting Mm. for the Vietnamese War, Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to sign a pledge to, a pledge allegiance to the United States, and I thought I already did that because I was born here. (laughs) I took offense to that and left, and um, I called my mother and told her, I said, I'm not going to go to school there, it's too stupid. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. They're starting some new theater downtown. I think I'll go down there and see if I can get a job. So I went downtown to the uh, Gary Theater, and uh, American Conservatory Theater was just starting. And, you know, I chit-chatted my way through the interview and had a great time. And they, of course, were looking for some fool that would be willing to go shopping for all the designers that would come in and out. And it's actually where I met Ann Roth. Oh, wow. I still, I, we still should chat about that sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, it was pretty much fun. Incredible costume designer. Yeah. They, oh, my God. <laughs> and plus, she's just a fantastic person. She's, geez, Louise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how I got started. So then I worked at ACT for two years for $55 a week, which I thought was a lot of money. I would say so. I had my VW bug. I had an apartment. (laughs) I got it. So that's that's how that all started. And um, I met people there that um, after I did leave and go to graduate school at uh, Long Beach with Deborah Scott, actually. And um, one of the people that I met at ACT, his wife worked at a casting agency. So did I want to go down there and go to work and type? <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> of course I said yes. Um, <laughs> they had all these film companies coming in and out, in, in and out. Uh, and this casting company provided extras for like Streets of San Francisco, for Zodiac Killer, you know, all kinds of films would come in and out of San Francisco. And uh, they would always call them for day players and extras. And something that I learned really early on, actually it's more in L.A., but I just want to fit this little story in here. The extras at that time, mostly in L.A., when you hired them, when you when the casting people would put out the call, they would put out, if it was winter 1943 and the extras would come completely dressed oh and period clothes were all correct wow they they were just fabulous they're all a little bit older but they had the hats 
they had the veil, they had the gloves, they had the pocketbook. It was just <laughs> really so, you know, really got a, I love that. A, a good education just for looking at them. Oh my God. But I didn't get on a lot of period shows at that time, of course, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> it's kind of a wonder. But I would just ask people if I didn't get it, I would just ask people, what do I do? Right. But my first um, interview um, came from the people at the casting agency. They said, well, they're looking for a costume designer for this little film that they're going to film up here in Marin called American Graffiti. And uh, we've interviewed nine people. We can't find somebody. Oh, wow. So I went in. Good Lord. <laughs> I went in and um, there they are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had a great interview with them. And uh, the production manager came out and uh, sat down, said, how old are you? And I thought, well, that's rude. <laughs> what does that have to do with <laughs> and, anything? <laughs> uh, I think I was like 25 or 27 or something like that. And uh, he said, well, where did you grow up? I said, well, I grew up in Fresno, California. He said, oh, do you know anything about dragging the main? I said, oh, I, ha I have to tell you, my sister had a 54 Ford that she'd had the handle, the uh, the door handles taken off, and you had to reach down underneath the door to push a button to open the door. <laughs> and he said, I'll be right back. And he went and got George. And George came in and sat down, and he said, well, just repeat all this. <laughs> this is George Lucas for everyone who's That's listening. It. And I'm telling you, I didn't leave the office. I just got the job right then. But, you know, they knew I hadn't done anything, so they knew I'd be in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, my budget was $2,000. Wow. I don't remember how much they paid me. I, I can't believe they paid me, but they did. <laughs> but, uh, later on, when I did Jedi for George, my budget was 800000 So it's a okay. little different. <laughs> yeah, definitely a little bit of a different number there. <laughs> That's it. So let's maybe dive into some of your works, if you don't mind. There's so many great ones. I'm only going to pick a handful and we could talk about some stories from these films. So you talked about your collaboration with George Lucas. And so happens it happens once again a few years later when you do Star Wars Return of the Jedi. And this film, I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but this one is full of just iconic costumes from Luke Skywalker's new look. Uh, Jabba's Palace is full of great costumes. Princess Leia's risque costume that everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> so there's so many fun costumes here. Uh, what was it like working again with George Lucas and game back, getting into the Star Wars universe? Oh, I tell you. <laughs> well, I had uh, only just recently had my first child, uh, James, who now is uh, Barry Jenkins DP. And, uh, works all the time and we don't have to worry about him anymore but this is him up on the far left oh, i have a little baby sitting on my lap that's oh him. so i drove everybody crazy in the shop because i took my kid to work every day oh my god but i mean he was on the set of star wars so how cool oh totally and um, so when we went to england of course he went and my husband went and uh, my husband would come with me every day at work, but he would just wander around the stages <laughs> and sit in all the sets <laughs> and uh, watch how everybody was really not having tea. They were all in the back gambling and shit like that. Anyway, <laughs> we had a great time. And of course, they treated me just very sweetly. And, um, you know, because really when I got hired, uh, one of the producers here, Jim Bloom, who really I owe lots of my career to, but then I, he owes me his career too because I put up with him. <laughs> he was a uh, AD on a lot of things. And he he called me up and he said, well, I'm doing this, another Star Wars movie, and I'm wondering if you'd like to come in and just design the clothes for the monsters. And uh, I said, well, I don't know what that means. He said, yeah. well, you know, 
there's a bunch of monsters in the movie, and they and the art department makes the little maquettes, and uh, they'll give you a maquette, and then you just realize the costume from that. I said, well, yeah, okay, but, you know, I just had my kid, and I'm still nursing, and oh, bring that kid to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> sure i so guess that's what i did i just brought him to work and nursed him and put him back in his trolley and he would wander all around <laughs> and then pretty soon a couple of weeks in then they started in on well could you just do these costumes for this other section mm-hmm. and yeah. so then we just stayed so a year later pretty thrilling but you know when you have just had a baby. You shouldn't do jobs that are that critical. Because <laughs> I used to sit in these production meetings and I'd be so confused. I'd have to say, look, I don't even know what planet we're on. What planet are we on? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what planet are we on? <laughs> I said, where are we? And, you know, I didn't really know. I'd seen the first Star Wars, of course. But I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the genre or any of it. <laughs> well, I knew some of it because I love Frank Frazetta's drawings, which is uh-huh. really a, a Carrie's bikini is homage to Mr. Frazetta. And, um, you know, it's George is very kind and sent me a letter recently saying that that I have designed the most famous costume in the last 30 years. I think that's an exaggeration, but I try to tell it as much as possible. <laughs> I would beg to differ. I don't think that's a complete exaggeration. It's it's definitely up there, at least it's top five. It's definitely up there. But, you know, it was designed by uh, uh, Jabba. Yeah. So, you know, it has to be a little lascivious. <laughs> he was such a scumbag. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. Gross. Uh, I have to tell you, we all had a wonderful time working on it, the film, though. We had a big warehouse full of 25 stitchers and crafts artists. And, um, geez, Louise, it was really amazing. Wow. I mean, it came out beautifully. And especially for not having, you know, only seeing the first Star Wars and just kind of making it work with what you've gone through with just having your son at the time. I mean, it's amazing. Well, George used to come to my office every night at about 5.30, because I, when I agreed, I said, well, I have to leave the office at 6, so my husband gets to see his kid. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I would leave every day at 6, but he'd come by for a little while before I left, and he'd kind of tell me what was on his mind, what what he was up to, and he'd say things like, get that... uh, that Star Wars book down, get that book down. And I'd get down one of the research books. He'd say, okay, go to one, 121. I'd <laughs> open up 121. He'd say, see all these guys on the right? We need 150 of them. Oh, boy. I said, okay, <laughs> where are they? <laughs> okay, the, the, it's all in, uh, in England. Just call up Ron Beck who was our supervisor in England and talked to him. So the next day I'd come into work early and call up Ron Beck and I'd say, okay, get that, that Star Wars book down, 121. <laughs> See those on the right? We need 150 of those. He'd say, okay. So he'd go find the molds wherever they were and he'd have them made up. So it's not like I knew everything that was going on, I'm telling you. <laughs> Not up here. Uh-uh. I love that. Really such a group effort. You can't oh, imagine. That brings me so much joy. Speaking of bringing joy, my favorite films have always been the early Tim Burton films. And once again, you know, you worked with George Lucas in his big directorial debut. And you kind of did the same thing here with Tim Burton. Uh, his yeah. first big feature film was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I have the video cassette somewhere around here. Uh, you have to just take me back to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, Paul Rubens established this character, but the costuming is so fun. The scene where he's dancing at the bar with those little high heels to tequila. I mean, 
That's incredible. What what was it like working on this project? Oh my God. Well, number one, I only had four weeks. That was at a time <laughs> when we they would hire you when they really didn't have enough money. And uh so they'd say, Okay, you have to get in and get out four weeks, that's all you get. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, I tell you. So you see the waitress uniform on the right? Right. So that was our waitress uniform in orange and we wore turquoise in Yosemite. It was exactly. The oh, outfit. I love that. So for me, when I see it, I, I just think Yosemite and, you know, we all had such a great time. It was a little bit of a nod to you and your own career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love this, the one below with, uh, Pee Wee. Um, I forgot that character's name. Dottie. Dottie. <laughs> I understand. No. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't want to get I tangled understand. up with a man like me, Dottie. Yeah, that's it. Not a man like me. It won't work. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Uh, well, I had an unbelievable, fabulous time. I didn't stay on the set very long. And, um, of course, his suits were his style. So mm-hmm. we just made some more of them. So we'd have, you know, four or five of them in case he threw up on one or whatever. <laughs> And, um, you know, I didn't, I had fittings with some people like Large Marge had a fitting with her and of course with Paul. And, uh, you know, it's just the cowboy outfit was made at, um, gosh, I'm going to forget the name of that place. It's in the valley. It's still there. They All they do is make uh, Western clothing. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that, the guy there just is brilliant. So we had it drawn up and everything. I don't know where those drawings are, but maybe I just had a photo. I have no idea. (laughs) But it turned out great. And the hat was made of Western, I think. Tim at that time, oh, the sweetest soul. (laughs) Tim at that time was very shy. He had done a a little bit of um, animation. But, you know, when suddenly there's 125 people asking you to, 145 questions, you know, you're bound to retreat. So he, when I only had this short deal, it's a little overwhelming for him that I was leaving and I wasn't going to stay long. Um, but, you know, that's nothing I can do about that. That's Warner Brothers and the agent is the agent, you know. And at that time, you know, no one knew what Tim was going to be like, but he would ask me for things, things like, you know, I get my sweaters at the Goodwill. Say, my kind of guy, my kind of guy. Would you get me some more golf sweaters? Yes. Oh, Tim Burton. So, you know, he he didn't wear $400 shirts at the time. But uh, anyway, I've ha- I had a great time with him on Pee Wee. But when we came to be on Beetlejuice, I'm telling you, I took Tim to this store called Maxfield's Blue. Now, oh. there's still a Maxfield's in L.A., but it wasn't really Maxfield Blue. It was a funky store that had the same mess that I have on my desk. Was And that was what that store was like at that time. <laughs> but the shirts, the shirts were $400 a piece. So I, I took him to this store because it had all this Japanese stuff. And um, he said, that's too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's not. It's okay. We have the money. (laughs) So we had things made like we had uh, Miss Argentina's cape made at Warner Brothers, which I just loved. Such a beautiful piece. I mean, I anytime I see anyone do a Miss Argentina, I'm already like, I want a picture with you. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, where is that? I hope it's... I, I read recently that uh, Catherine evidently took some of the hats home. So, you know... I did hear that, actually. <laughs> one part of me is mad. But the other part of me is, good, it's been saved. Because I think that they probably felt that the movie was going to go nowhere. And so they just gave all the clothes away to the goodwill or something. I don't know what they did with them. Uh, they, I hope they're in a vault somewhere because I would hate to find out where, if these are in a 
bad you know place. What? They're not at the Warner's vault. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's well, a shame. One time you left me a voicemail back when back when I didn't know I could contact you. You left me a voicemail talking about the Beetlejuice suit and the challenges oh, yeah. you had with the black and white striped suit. I would love if you could tell us how that now iconic suit. I mean, I'm getting ready to go see Beetlejuice on Broadway in a couple weeks here. This suit has transcended time. So yeah. How did you come to create this suit? Well, this was um, the same as Pee Wee. I had a short prep. They should have learned early on. <laughs> but no one Don't learns. Don't do that because she'll just go on and do something else. <laughs> so um, I had a short prep. So we started out right away. I mean, this this came from a drawing that Tim did on a scrap of paper. and. The easy part was the messy shirt, which I wear honorably now, oh. and just a black tie. <laughs> but the suit itself, we could not find a stripe like that. So the, the supervisor was a man named Chuck Velasco. Oh, my God. Chucky. He had asthma, and he passed away from a asthma attack. Oh, wow. Oh, and I just... He worked for me quite a bit. I just... He was a brilliant supervisor and a great person. And he he just fucking gave up on the stripes. And he said, okay, we're just going to make the fabric. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not my thing. <laughs> um, but that's what they did. They got white fabric and black fabric, and they cut stripes and made that fabric in the shop at the studio. It's just shocking. Chuck had been on enough films to where he knew – you could do that. You could just take care of that. I would have panicked and wet my pants and gone home, you know. But uh, so they made those that that fabric up, and uh, I think they made several sets of that suit because they had to be distressed at different levels. I love these pictures you found. <laughs> Michael Keaton that looks so incredible, and man, I mean, did, back then, did you know that this film was going to be the phenomenon it is now which i could say that about any of the films he worked on but beetlejuice specifically you know i tell you i'm very grateful but you know i think um i think i've just been very lucky and it's one thing i did want to sort of cheer on all your young costume designers or people that think they should be costume designers this is very unusual to have happen you know, it's uh, I started here in San Francisco and connected to uh, George. And on the American Graffiti, Francis Coppola was uh, one of our producers. So I met him on that film. I didn't even know how to keep track of continuity. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to do anything. I think that they took such pity on me because I was a Fresno girl. And <laughs> I'm really a regular person. I don't usually have assistant designers. My ego is such as that only I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I do have this strange joie de vie that, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll know something that will work into a scene if I see it. Mm -hmm. I'm not very verbal. I can bullshit and chat, chit, chat. <laughs> But I'm not very verbal, and so I can't really go to these meetings very often and say, well, I think it's this or I think it's that. I wouldn't have been able to explain Beetlejuice at the beginning, you know, what kind of movie it was. I had no idea. I think even today, people still have a hard time writing a description for it. It's just Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, our women's supervisor uh, was also wonderful, uh, very, uh, very helpful. Her name is Linda Hendrickson. She's retired now, but she found the uh, girls on the balcony with the, uh, you know, the strippers on the balcony and things like that. Oh, so she, beautiful. You know, I think that between the two of them, between Chucky and Linda, <clears throat> it didn't matter that much that I wasn't there because they kind of got into it. Oh. I think that they knew weirdness in their own um, own lives. And so I think they just tapped onto that. Um, and that is another thing to kind of remind people to 
live your best friggin' life. You know, the iPhone is the best thing lately. You can make your own directory of strange outfits just on the street. And, uh, you know, learn to worship certain costume designers. Like, I just love Tom Broecker on oh, yeah. Saturday night. Oh, my God. <clears throat> he he gets the stuff that he sees in New York. He gets it on them. And uh, it's really wonderful to see this kind of work. I sort of wish they wouldn't make so many films with Tim in England because the tailoring is so different there. I like things kind of raw and messy. I don't want anybody to iron anything. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, on, I love that. On, on Rent, I drove them crazy because um, the main actors, you know, most of them had been in the play. And I felt like we were treating them all so perfectly that we were spoiling them and that when they stepped into their trailer, they should find their clothes on the ground in their trailer so that then they would pick it up from the ground if they were living in their apartment and put it on, not like we would pull it out of our drawer. <laughs> so I couldn't quite get them to get as messy as I wanted them. <laughs> well, I actually wanted to ask you about rent. You know, this was, um, musical that had a lot of movement in the costumes and dancing. So do you remember what it was like working with these costumes and working with the choreography to give these people that movement? Well, one thing that uh, with the choreography that saved my tush, <laughs> we were trying to think of, um, I can't remember the song, but they end up doing the tango. Oh, okay. And I realized that you know, we'd been working off of um, 1987 and 89, which is when the, the play had worked off. And then I said, well, maybe we should go forward in our costuming this uh, routine rather than back. Mm. Because I thought, well, maybe we can make tango out of it in Spanish and so forth. But really what we ended up doing is just buying some modern dresses and um, I mean, really, I had never done a film that had two 40-foot trailers full of costumes on. And they told me it was just a little film. <laughs> <laughs> Liars. <laughs> totally. But, you know, basically I got along with people there. I don't think they liked me very much because I'm so liberal. The actors liked me, but I think management had a hard time. <laughs> I was going to say that doesn't match up. Uh I want to return to Beetlejuice for one more costume, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Catherine O'Hara is honestly one of my favorite, like, costumed character of all time. Just her style. <laughs> Do you remember working on these costumes? You know, the the one glove or the gloves and the hair. It's all impeccable. I took Catherine to Maxfield's and we just did her clothes there. So we just did her gloves and her hair when we were sitting there bullshitting. <laughs> there were gloves on the on the uh, table next to me and I just tied tied them together and put them in her hair. So and that hat came from there too. It's just um, just like that. It just puts her gloves like in her hair. Wow. Well that's the thing, you know, you know when you're doing modern day or whatever, something eccentric. Don't think you can design as well as the fashion designers. That's the thing to really get through your friggin' head. Interesting. I cannot come up. I couldn't have come up with these dresses or this shirt on my own. Mm -hmm. You know, fashion designers sit at their tables and their desks for years and days and months on just trying to get together a spring collection. And, you know, it's important to use their knowledge and not um, deny them. You know, don't say, oh, I can I can do better than that. I, I don't, frankly, I don't think I can do better than Yoji Yamamoto. I don't think mm. so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't have his, I don't have his life. I, I don't have whatever it was that he had. I mean, 
the Japanese designers have been just so brilliant. Right. But um, so, you know, really, we just took Catherine there. She'd never had on Japanese clothes. And we had a wonderful time putting her clothes together. And, <laughs> you know, there's a scene later on in uh, The Father, The Husband. Um, Jeffrey Jones, I got at the Maxfields, I got this heavy sweater with orange and white as heavily knitted. And Jeffrey wears the sweater when he's in his office one day talking to us. And a couple of scenes later, Catherine wears it, but mm -hmm. she wears it upside down. <laughs> and we did this at Maxfield. I can actually say I had that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, here, step into this, put your feet through the legs, foot through the arms. And so she put her feet and legs through the arms of the sweater and then pulled the sweater up and we put a belt around it. And so that was the basic thing of one of her outfits. That's so Sometimes funny. it just comes together like that. Yeah, and I think most people don't realize that's what's happening in a costume. It's like subtle genius to it, which I love. Not not too many people notice that. I, <laughs> think. I do. I just love it. And I always stop the film. Hey, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I just, you know, 35 years later, it's to me just one of the greatest films of all time. Really, so creative, so creative. Oh, my God. Uh, you've also, in terms of working with a few, uh, some people a few times, I believe you worked with Jack Nicholson quite a few times. Um, did you actually work on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I actually did. You did. And later Jack on, it. Witches of Eastwick, which is also an incredible film. Uh, bring me back to, let's start with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That must have been a crazy movie to work on. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have no idea. I mean, I, I, I'm not allowed to tell a lot of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Is there anything you can share with us? Oh, God, I just love looking at these photos. What a nice man Jack is, though. He used to tell me that I was famous because I could find jeans that fit his thighs. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. He's a, he's a great man. And really, I got that job because I had been on the set. I was a set person on streets of San Francisco. Okay. Here in San Francisco after we did uh, American Graffiti and the conversation. So... I used to have a lot of fun with Michael Douglas, who's also a very nice man, and liked to joke around a lot. And um, so he asked me, would I like to work on this movie up in Oregon, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And oddly enough, I had seen the play in San Francisco. Mm. And So you I kind mean, of knew was, what you were getting into a little bit. Well, you know, it's... It's a very sad situation in a mental hospital, really. Mm -hmm. I went up to the women's ward once, only once, and all the women were in menopausal age. And, you know, we are crazy during menopause. And we do hit our husbands with frying pans. But, <laughs> you know, it's uh, hard to see, hard to see people that have lost it, you know. So I was, you know... You're protected in a film crew because it keeps you in a certain area. So I really didn't get to know any of the inmates, really. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I think maybe it might have been harder for Michael because he's one of those people that he meets you and he knows your name forever. So I know that he met a lot of the inmates. and um, But uh, I loved Louise and Mimi Sarkeesian was her aid. It was all wonderful, but scary, frightening. Yeah, I could imagine this would be a spooky film to work on. Uh, but then you kept the spooky vibes going later on when you did Witches of Eastwick again with Jack Nicholson. But then also like the hottest witches to ever exist, Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, I watch this film every October around Halloween. It oh, is, good. Good idea. It's so you know, fun. I would not be a person that you would pick to design a film with 
these three beautiful women, it just, I'm very earthy and none of them were earthy. They're all just so beautiful. And uh, they're all fire and sultry. They were <laughs> all fabulous. And uh, I count my lucky stars. I mean, it helped that I knew Jack and that that was good for the film. And uh, I knew that he liked Japanese designers. And so I got, got for Cher and for Jack a lot of Japanese clothes. And uh, that kind of submitted me. And then there's a shop in Boston. Can I please give a shout out? Oh, my God. Oh, you have to. <laughs> okay. Alan Belzerian. Oh, okay. You brought the prop and everything. Number 34, Newberry Street in Boston. The best. And I've been known on other films to call them up and say, I have a such and such an actor and I need such and such. Here's my charge card number. Will you send me a few outfits <laughs> that you love? Please you know? and thank you. <laughs> and then they'll send things and then I'll pick them. And then I'll send back what I don't want. Really great Great people there. Oh, beautiful relationship. But beautiful cost, beautiful clothes. So Michelle Pfeiffer's multicolor pajamas and robe, that was hanging there. And then the other two we had made for those particular characters. But it was kind of cool because then they all had the same outfit on, but in different colors. And yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. They're different but similar. They really work well together. It's uh, it's the best. I Cher just looks so amazing. Why? Just why? You know, <laughs> I love yeah. her. She's a wonderful actress and a, a very very kind person. Really. Oh, good. That that makes me happy. Um, and then. Uh, in 1986, you were nominated for an Academy Award for your work on Steven Spielberg's film, The Color Purple. I mean, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like being nominated for that Academy Award? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, uh, at the time... Uh, that girl from Fresno, now an Oscar-nominated designer. But this picture on the far right, on the top, the brown hat my mother had, and I, I I borrowed it from her and put it in the movie, you know? Oh. So that, I love seeing that picture and it always makes me think of my mom. I love that. Because that was an original, uh, it was a fur felt, oh my God, just amazing. Well, you know, it. Uh, I grew up in an era where I never knew anybody that was black. No, there were no black people in my, High school or my middle school, Fresno was completely segregated. Just a terrible time. And so, you know, my life has been very, very liberal as I see life going by, even now. I think maybe in a way it helps to have seen some shit. That's why I like to see young designers step out of their own shell and learn other things. But how else am I going to learn? And, you know, if you don't want to learn about life, you just should not get in the film business. Mm -hmm. it's, it's right there in front of you. And there's a reason why some films fail. You know, I, I'm not saying anything against Chris Columbus, but I don't think he'd had African-American people in his films previous to Rent. I don't think he hung out with people in gay bars, things like that. But I know that when he finished that film, his life had changed. And um, I know that he's much better for it. I know he sleeps better at night because the way he got it, you know, you hear people say these lines. You're on a set and they say these words that are so horrible. I mean, just looking at Whoopi's face, you know, the kitchen scenes and Oprah's character Shouting at Harpo, treat me right, you know. It's a, it's a lesson. These are lessons to learn. I was very lucky. I, I got the interview because of um, Michael Riva, the production designer. I had worked on um, the eighth dimension. No, let's see. 
<laughs> but blue bonsai. Oh, yes. And um, Ed worked with him on that. And so he got the job on the color purple first, and then he argued with them until they would interview me. And so I flew down from San Francisco down to meet Mr. Spielberg and uh, had my interview. And I stood up at the end and I told him I was going to call George and ask him to speak for me. <laughs> That's a soft what flex. A nerve. <laughs> what a nerve, the bossy old girl. And so I, the next morning I called up George's assistant and she said, don't worry, he already talked to him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cashing in that Star Wars money. <laughs> that's it. Well, you know, honestly, that's the kind of people they are. They're good friends. And, um, you know, I think I was probably a really good person to have been on that. And uh, my supervisor, whose name is Francine, Jamison Tanchuk, and she actually has is the costume designer on the new color purple that's going to come out. Yes, very excited in December, and couldn't have been a better choice uh, of costume designer because on on our color purple, she was in charge of all the background. We had a male supervisor, but I don't know if he was completely connected. But Francine was always connected. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's something that's, you know, there's also a new Beetlejuice coming. That's when you see films from the past they worked on, you know, be brought to a whole new audience. Is that like a, an encouraging feeling, a moment of happiness to see that something that you worked on has carried on in its legacy and introducing to new younger audiences, perhaps? Well, I tell you, I there, there are crew people up here in San Francisco that are so dear to me this uh, makeup hair crew took me to see <clears throat> the color purple a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, and they released it again. And um, we went to some ridiculous mall here, you know, cold and cement. And we sat down and there were a bunch of women behind us. They were all talking. So we just shut up because we were a bunch of white girls. <laughs> and as the movie went on, they knew every line. And they would say their favorite lines along <laughs> the film. And when the film was over, of course, we all went berserk and clapped and everything. And then we went out into the lobby. And they were a women's book club. And they had done, uh, they had read The Color Purple together. Mm. and had really stayed together oh my god and so they knew it all they knew every every line and um i just that that was an eye-opener for me right there's no way that i would have ever understood that if we hadn't stopped and chatted with them great great group of people well that's a beautiful story and you know i'm happy this is an experience you got to go through in that your Oscar nomination came from the special film because it really, truly yeah. is such a special film. Yeah. Uh, your collabor collaborations with incredible people seems to keep going. Uh, recently worked on a film called Love is Love is Love with uh, Eleanor Coppola. That's yes. pretty cool. <laughs> you kind of teased a little bit to me about working with Eleanor. How, how did that play out? Well, love is love is love. I'm telling you. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm dying to see it now. It's it's really wonderful. It's three small films, three shorts, but you know, not twenty minute shorts. But they all have parts of Ellie in it, mm. and I recommend it strongly. She's a total class act, <laughs> and. You know, it's not like I, I don't socialize with them. They're very, very nice to me. And if I if they ha need something, I they, they do call me up and I go, I get up there and I help them out. Well, the couples are calling me again. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I can't talk now. I have to I have to go up to the up yeah. to Napa. Yeah. George is calling me. <laughs> That's it. That's it. He never calls me. Oh, That's OK. I don't care. Come on, George. But Ellie, um, 
there are parts of Ellie's lives in all three of these films. And if you, if you listen carefully, you can hear them all. And um, wonderful, wonderful to have experienced them with her. I didn't do Love Takes, the first one. Um, that's okay. I wasn't insulted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, you did two out of three, so, you know. Th there were all these great actresses came up from L.A., and, of course, there's no money on these little films, which is fine. I, I'm fine. I have my Social Security. <laughs> but uh, so we went to each of the actors' houses, all but one, and got personal clothing out of their closets and used them in the film. Wow. Because they were all going to get paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> Was Rita Wilson one of those houses you got to check oh. out? So bizarre, yes. <laughs> I'd worked with her once before, though, on a uh, on a little film. She's really cool. Ooh. You know, through the years, you've seen the industry go through some changes, both bad and good. And as we record right now, WGA and SAG-AFTRA oh. are on strike. Oh, my God. So, you know, you've you've seen this industry go through its changes. So I was wondering if you have any last words for perhaps costume designers who are starting out in the field or want to get into this field who might, you know, might have some uneasiness about all of this, you know, this incredible, right. You should ride. be uneasy. You should be. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not for the weak of heart and you cannot possibly be prejudiced against anyone Anything, if you don't like management, you better not go into this uh, mm -hmm. business at all. And you're not going to live high. I sent my kids through college and I paid off my house, but I'm cheap as the devil. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not into money. If you're into money, this is not it. I mean, people like Colleen really, holy moly. <laughs> Our queen, Colleen, you know, <laughs> when she was first coming up, when she first moved to L.A., I heard about her, though, this weird woman from New York. I called her up out of the blue. That's something I still do. I call people out of the blue, and I get to know them. And I took her to lunch by, Fo uh, by Fox one day and just asked her everything. And, you know, we've stayed friends. I'm not friends like I have her for lunch. Or I see her when I go to L.A., but I mean, I, I'm copacetic. Mm -hmm. Never judge your peers. You better not have an ego because it's going to get crushed the first time Tommy Lee Jones sees you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to like the shoes you picked. <laughs> so you better get some other ones. <laughs> if they don't like what you did, get another outfit. Get over it. Get over <laughs> all of it. <laughs> and uh, don't talk about it in the press. <laughs> That's, don't say anything bad. Right. <laughs> so, Aggie, it really, truly has been such an honor talking with you. I mean, we could probably still go for hours more going through each of your projects. Just looking back on it all, uh, just what what would be your parting words for the audience looking back on your career? Well, I hope I didn't make too many mistakes for people and that it's an honor that people are trying to make your design into a design that would fit their life. Each character and every script, I mean, those writers, I mean, these directors, you're not in their brain. <laughs> it's very difficult to understand, but um, you have to leave these directors alone. They're just brilliant, and uh, they've they've made our lives so much more joyful. I mean, I started out watching cartoons when I was little. That was just so much fun. And so, you know, I hope that uh, well, people will not go to movies that are full of violence. Leave that friggin' violence on the street out front. <laughs> we don't need it. <laughs> Well, with that, Aggie, this is the end of our time together. But thank you so much for joining me. This this has been incredible. I 
I've gone to ask you now about some of my favorite costumes ever. So uh, I've, I guess I'm done now. I could just go on and I don't have to do any more of these. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, my darling. Uh, You know, I'm sorry I started out so grumpy. You know, I'm almost, I'll be 80 in December. So, you know. Oh, wow. I'm going to be a little grumpy. Oh, we're all a little grumpy these days. <laughs> this is what's keeping me sane. Goodbye, stress. <laughs> I, you guys put some of those in the mail for me. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're great. Straight from Whole Foods. Okay, well, be safe, be honorable, have peace, be happy. Oh, thank you. Take Aggie. care. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my love. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. 